If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. A minute ago, Tyler read Proverbs 31. And I can't tell you how many times on Mother's Day, in fact, I was talking to Billy and said, you know, I, I feel like since it's Mother's Day, we all are prepared for a sermon on Proverbs 31. I've heard it almost every Mother's Day. And so I said, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And then here, after last week, I thought, you know, I want to take a different twist on Proverbs 31. So I had Tyler read that for our time together this morning. I want to talk about seven qualities of a godly woman that we see in the woman that we read about there but also in other ladies throughout the Old and New Testament. So we've probably read, studied this chapter, this section of Scripture. We've heard of the Proverbs 31 woman. We've read, uh, there's all kinds of ministries and books about the Proverbs 31 woman. I mean, it's everywhere. The Proverbs 31 woman, the Proverbs 31 woman. My question to you this morning is, what was her name? What was her name? Nobody knows. It's kind of like Noah's wife. Who is she? It's this mystery. Nobody knows who the woman is of Proverbs 31. And I begin to ask the question, why? Why did, why did the king choose not to name her? I mean, he says his mom wanted him to find a godly woman, and so then he describes this godly woman. So it, does she exist? Is it, is it possible to find a woman like that? And maybe it's used kind of metaphorically. This is what you should look for in a woman. I've always taught that I think Proverbs here at the end, earlier, Solomon talks about the woman, the adulterous woman, you know, the woman that you shouldn't pursue, that he actually pursued. And then now the book ends with, here's a woman you really should have sought after. This is what you should have looked for. And it's a life lesson for his sons, who he's writing the book of Proverbs too, about poor choices and good choices. So we take the text and we begin to kind of dissect it. And we say, here are some things that we are looking for in godly women today. And I share with you this morning that there are women throughout the Bible that have these characteristics. Who can find a virtuous wife, he asks. Let me show you a few of them. The first one is Ruth. In the first part of this text, it talks about the loyalty that this woman had. In fact, loyalty, it seems to be very rare, but yet in, in these days, loyalty was highly regarded. When a man sought after a spouse, or when the family really sought out the woman to marry the man, they were looking for someone who would be willing to stay with him and by his side no matter what. In fact, even if you'll remember many times if you've sat through wedding ceremonies, for some of us, you may, it may have been a long time ago, but you probably remember the vows when something like this, in sickness and in health, for richer 
or poorer, for better or worse. The vows are that you, in every moment, you stay faithful to that person until death do us part. It is meant to be a commitment uh, for life. It's meant to be saying to that person, I plan on being by your side no matter what, whatever comes our way. We see that loyalty in Ruth. Remember early on in her story, she has that loyalty towards her mother-in-law, Naomi. She says, look, I, I don't want to ever part from you. Wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people be my people. Your God, my God, I am going to go where you go. Where you die, I'll die. When you're buried, they'll bury me. Dig two holes, you know. That's the loyalty of Ruth. That's the same loyalty that is shown to Boaz later in the story. She is willing to do whatever it takes to be there by her man. And of course, they get married, and it's a great happy ending to the story. It's also a reminder to us about the necessity of faithfulness in our own life. You see, this woman sets a pattern, an example for her children in faithfulness. Remember uh, Jesus, when he's speaking to the churches in Revelation, he says in chapter 2 and verse 10, to be faithful unto death. Be faithful for as long as you're with me, because then I will give you a crown of life. Loyalty, faithfulness is necessary if we want to be a good child of God. And that's why it's described in so many women in the Bible. The second one here that I think is important when you're reading Proverbs 31 is endurance. Notice verse 30, uh, 31 and verse 13. It says, she works eagerly with her hands. Integrity, endurance. These are characters of a woman who is walking closely with God. She takes pride in everything she does. She takes pride in her family. She takes pride in her work. She takes pride in her children. And her endurance is how it is seen. How many times have our mothers sacrificed? Oh, we'll get to that again in a minute here, another one. But how many times have they worked so tirelessly? You think, when are you ever going to sleep? I'm guilty. I'll go to sleep. And they go, oh yeah, we had some stuff we needed to do. That wasn't on my to-do list. Now, there's some things on my to-do list from time to time that, that I put on there myself selfishly, like a Sunday nap. Y'all get those, okay? Certain things that I have to have each day that I think I need, but a woman thinks differently. A good wife, a good godly woman thinks about her children first. She thinks about her husband first. And this is why the writer says this woman needs to be praised above all people. She needs to be praised in the streets. She needs to be praised by the elders. She needs to be praised by her children. She needs to be praised by her husband. Dorcas is such a woman. Now, she experiences a resurrection there in the story in Acts 9. But do you remember that whenever she passed away, the family and the friends began to come in, and they brought things that she had made. They said, look, this is what, this is what she made for me. This is what she gave to me. And that often happens when we lose our mothers, when we lose our wives, those close to us. We say, look at all the things she did. Look at all the things she touched. I wear, uh, this morning, I wear a little lapel pin once in a while. I wear a lot of lapel pins. By the way, guys, did you know what that, that hole, that's what it's for up here? So uh, this is, and I see some people, I put them down here, over here, over here, over here. But that actually is why that little hole's there. And so I, I put a lapel pin in every Sunday. This one is of a heart. This was one of my mother's. She wore it as a brooch, and I wear it once in a while on Sunday so that I can think about her, so that's why I wear it today. So when we, we have, our mothers have left us things. I keep things in my, in my uh, uh, special 
treasures in my office and at home and special places of things that my mother and my grandmother made. We have doilies that my grandmother made. I have a quilt that my great-grandmother made. So y'all with me? When your mother, when your grandmother makes something, it's a treasure to you. It's special to you. And it's a reminder of how many hours. I can't tell you how many hours I watched my grandmother make those little doilies. And whenever my mother passed away and we were going through her things, there were hundreds of them. My mother had collected from my grandmother. And I had all the grandkids there with me. And I said, well, who wants these? And most of them were like, oh, I don't, I don't really have a use for them. I had one cousin took two. And so I had like 50. I said, what in the world am I going to do with these? But I could not throw them away, and I couldn't just give them away because I spent summers with my grandmother, and I would sit in that RV from, from, from Sam's Club, or what is it, Sam's, which they had to go to the ones that was the big Sam's with the little halo on it. Every time, see that sign, say, oh, there's a place we can stay because we got a membership. We'd roll into those places. And my grandma would sit in that RV and she would sew and she would work and do that needlework on those things. And sometimes the, the, the thin little, I mean, just tiny little strings and the hours. I mean, she had diabetes and she had problems with feeling in her fingers and in her feet. And she would sit there for hours doing these little things. And I have kept those as a treasure in my life. It's a testimony to her endurance. Dorcas was that type of a person. We need the same kind of endurance when we work for the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Just as Dorcas, or called Tabitha, did. And also, uh, we see this in the Proverbs 31 woman. Number three is kindness. We've probably seen the movie Cinderella, or we've read the book. Uh, and there's an ongoing theme there of her to be courageous and to be kind no matter what. And that's why you get attracted to the character, because you're like, man, this girl is, she should have, I mean, you, wanna, you want her to retaliate. You want her to, to lash out at the poor treatment that she received. Proverbs 31, 17 and 18 says that this woman opens her arms to the poor. She extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no worry for her household, because she's provided them with everything that they need in that environment. A noble woman, a woman of kindness, a woman like Proverbs 31, fears God and fears uh, being able to be punished for things that she doesn't do right. So she wants to do everything right. She wants to work and serve with her hands and help everybody. She believes in good works. She puts her faith in action, as James talks about. So she fears her Lord. She says, I want to do things to please God, and I'm going to help as many people as I possibly can. Some people, kindness is natural. It's very natural for them. They can't help but be nice. And I love people like that. I'm married to one. <laughs> can't help but be kind. Just so kind, so nice. I say, this can't, you can't, look, you, I, I know it's because I'm a man, but you can't always be that nice. Sometimes you got to put on the face, you know, you got to look at the kids and go, uh, you can't do that. You're not going to do that. In the car, you're driving and you, eh, you know, the people in front of you, you sometimes, we're not always kind. This woman was kind. Rebecca is a story in Genesis where she is so kind, she not only cares for her husband and for the master of her husband, she's willing to give water to the animals. Now that's when you know you got somebody. And they're out there, you got, you got a million stray cats in the yard and she's feeding them, you know. And putting out the birdhouses, 
and, and making sure the bird bath is there and, and, you know, don't shoo the squirrels. They're critters too. God loves them. And you go hunting, so don't shoot them unless you have to, you know. So, you know, when you've got that kindness, Rebecca was that type of a person. The woman in Proverbs 31 is not mentioned, but she is because she's kind. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's natural for a child of God. Number four, another example here is sacrifice. Notice in verses 19 through 24, it documents a long list of things this woman did to serve her family. In fact, I couldn't decide whether to use the word sacrifice here or the word service here. So you can put both of them there. It didn't matter to me. But this is a woman who is sacrificial. And when I think about a woman who is sacrificial, I think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, we talk a lot about God so loved the world, John 3.16, that he loved, his, he loved the world so much that he sacrificed, that he gave his only begotten son. But we forget that the angel came to Mary and he said, you are chosen among all women. You are the one. Oh, how exciting. I'm going to have a child. That's fantastic. But your child is going to be mocked and ridiculed and hated And though he will live a perfect life, he will die on a cross. Who of you would be willing? Who of you would be willing to bear such a child that would be murdered for something he did not do? And even in that moment, mocked and criticized by every one of your religious leaders, every one of your friends. And even in fact, all of his friends wouldn't even show up for the funeral. This is Mary's story. She willingly allowed her son, from the day she was, she was conceived by the Holy Spirit, the day she knew she was going to bear Jesus, from that moment she knew the cruelty of his death. And yet she stood at the cross. She let him look into her eyes. And in John it tells us that Jesus could not take that moment without saying something about his mother. And he said to John, John, this is now your mother. And he says to his mom, this is your son. And it says from that moment, John took her into his house and took care of her. This is a woman who is willing to sacrifice everything for her family. Number five is joy. I, I think about Sarah and Abraham. You know, Sarah names Isaac because the name means laughter. And it's fact, when God comes to her, the angels come and say, hey, look, you're going to have a child. She laughs because she says, I'm too old. And in fact, Abraham, it is said of him in Hebrews, he was so old, he was almost dead. Now that's pretty old, right? And so Sarah's not too many years behind, and she now bears Isaac, which means laughter. There was joy. There's joy in this Proverbs 31 woman. She's happy to do it. It doesn't say she gets up and grumbles out of bed. It doesn't say she gets up and she's, I ain't going to start my day until I have a cup of coffee. No, she gets up. And she starts working, and the Proverbs 31 woman is such a great example that all of the elders in the streets, all the people at the gates are going, man, that guy's got him a, a, he's got her, he's got him a keeper. She is something else. She was so well-known and so well-respected, and one of those is her, her joy, her experience. And then number, uh, number six is wisdom. Did you notice here in verse 26, it says she speaks with wisdom and faithful instructions is on her tongue. I think about Deborah and judges. There were a lot of men that could have stepped up as a judge, but none, none would do it. 
And Deborah has to step into this role, which if you've read the Old Testament up to that point, it is awkward to say the least. It's insulting at that point because they had only had men leading. And here's this woman who says, who's going to lead? And all the men go, well, not me. Why don't you do it? This is a typical example of men with no backbone, not wanting to lead. And she says, and this is what women will do. If nobody else will do it, we talk about women's role in the church. It's not like we have women jumping up going, I'm going to take this thing over. No, it's, we don't have enough men to stand up and lead. And women are not going to sit there and watch it fall apart. Men need to step up and they need to lead. And Deborah says, if nobody's going to be man enough to lead an army, well then hand me a sword and a shield. And she would go set at the city gates and she would set out by the tree and they would bring their cases to her and she would judge it because there was not a man who was willing to do it. This wisdom it speaks of, you know, your moms, your grandmothers. I used to call my grandma all the time for advice on things she knew nothing about, too, by the way. I mean, just nothing. I'd just say, hey, look, if you were in this situation, how would you handle it? There will be a day where you won't be able to pick up the phone and call. There will be a day when you can't get in your car and drive to their house and ask for wisdom. But while you have your mothers, soak it up. Soak up that wisdom. Take it while you can. And finally, there is faith. In Proverbs 31, 27 through 31, it says that this woman was one who feared the Lord. Now, this is important, young men. I want you to listen to me. You will marry someone you date. So please listen. Listen to me. Young men, don't date a woman that is not a believer. Date a woman who fears the Lord, because she'll make a good fiance, and she'll make a good wife, and she'll make a terrific mother. It's important for our young ladies, listen to me now, to model the example of this woman. Be like this woman. These are the things that men should be looking for. This is what good godly men look for in a spouse. And I tell you, men... Look for a woman who has tremendous faith because there are going to be times you need her to join you on your knees in prayer. A great woman of faith aspires to be not what the world says she needs to be, but what God wants her to be. Women like Elizabeth, the mother of John the baptizer, she was a woman of great faith, and I think we, we don't emphasize her enough. Jesus is asked on one occasion, what do you think about John the baptizer? What do you think about John the Baptist? And he says, let me tell you, there hasn't been a greater man that's ever lived. There's not a man who is ever born of a woman that was greater than John. Who was his mama? Elizabeth. Look into her character. Look into her story. Look into the way she taught and she raised John. from the Even before he was born, she was ready to make sure he lived a strict conservative lifestyle so that he could be a great leader one day. He, of course, he dies for his faith, which is another story. But Elizabeth was able to put past what the world thought about this and what they said about women who were barren for years and years. And she gives this child everything he needs to become the forerunner, to be the one who would lead people to Jesus. 
It's not said explicitly, but we can see kind of in between the lines here. This is a woman who would have taken her children to worship. This is a woman who would have taken her children to the Lord's house and worship and would have taught them scripture and would have sang to them hymns and psalms to remind them of the power of God. A good godly woman, a woman of faith. These examples that I've shared with you today are the foundations for godly living. When a woman chooses to divert from the mainstream, she should be praised. When she says, I don't want to follow the ways of the world, I want to follow the ways of God, she should be praised. When she realizes that God needs to set the standards for what is determined to be good and right and lovely, she should be praised. When she begins to conduct herself in a way that models purity to the world, she should be praised. It doesn't care what the world says. It doesn't care what the world thinks. She does not care about the current circumstance of what's going on. She doesn't care about the opinions of others. She's not trying to impress anybody. She's just doing in her heart what she knows God would have her to do. And we should praise God for women of faith. Praise God for godly mothers. I want to share one final thought this morning as we wrap up. My brother and I were talking last week, and uh, Missy and I are going to go see him and go to the family reunion here in a couple weeks. First time I've been in 25 years, so I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of those cheek pinching. I'm, I'm 40, almost 44. I guess, do I still get the cheek pinches at this age? I guess so. Some of y'all are like, man, he's young. I don't feel that. Some of the young ones are thinking, man, he's old, so I guess I'm right in the middle. But my brother and I were talking about how different it is now when we come home. My mother passed away in 2010. And how different it is to come back home and not have, this is the first time I will ever go to Missouri where I have no one there but my father. All my grandparents are gone and my mother is gone. And how, how different it is. And we started talking about my mother quite a bit. And of course, he, he takes Mother's Day very hard. And I, I do too, but I mean, he, he takes it really hard. And we were talking about how difficult it is. Once your mother is gone, you, you, you wish that you could have these conversations. You wish that you could call them up. And, and we talked about how, you know, we wish we had this answer. And we wish that had this answer. And I have her journal, so I can read those. But there's so many things we miss about our mother. So many things I miss about my grandmother. And he said, what are we to do about that? And I said, well, I'll tell you one thing I can do, because I have the pulpit. I can remind people that are younger than me to cherish every moment. You and I don't have access to a time machine. But I'll tell you, there isn't a day that goes by, very rarely a day that goes by, that I don't wish I had told my mother I loved her more that I hadn't written her a note, that I hadn't sent her a card, that I hadn't called her. My brother confessed to me this week that he, he had a lot of animosity towards me when my mother died because he called me the week before she passed and he said, Ray, I hadn't asked you for a thing. I've never in all my life asked you for a thing, but I asked you to come and be by my side when mom died and you didn't. And I told him, I said, I regret it. Saying goodbye over the phone, it was tough. It was tough. And I said, man, if I could have it, if I could do it over, I would have been there. I would have been with you. And I tell you, for those of you who have your mothers, your grandmothers, and the women who have mentored you like mothers, express as much love, as much affection as you possibly can 
you will not regret it. I promise you. This morning as we study this Proverbs 31 woman, we see characteristics of Jesus. These are things that Jesus practiced in his own life and his own ministry. And our mothers model for us good godly examples that we need to follow. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.